Hey guys, welcome to Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. I'm Dr. John Berardi, co-founder of Precision Nutrition, and if you're not familiar with us, over the last 15 years, we've become the world's largest online nutrition, fitness, and health coaching company. Through that time, as you can imagine, we've watched fad diets and fitness crazes come and go. But when the fads have failed and the crazes died out and people just want something that works, they turn to Precision Nutrition for things like expert coaching, guided mentorship, and online support. In this podcast, which is a mix of recorded articles, interviews, and roundtable discussions, myself and my Precision Nutrition colleagues will help make the whole nutrition, fitness, and health process work for you. Ideally, you'll discover that eating, moving, and living well can be easy and enjoyable for now and into the future. So let's get started. Hey everyone, this is Coach Lee San reading today's article. Would I be healthier if I quit drinking? My Quest to Understand the Real Trade-Offs of Alcohol Consumption by Camille DePutter In my mind, Friday equals cocktails. If I quit drinking, would it mean better health and ripped abs? Or is that end-of-week old-fashioned actually good for me? Should I take a break from booze? Have you ever asked this question? I have. I never felt like I needed to quit drinking. My consumption is normal by most accounts. It's moderate. But boozy beverages seem to show up a lot. I like having a beer to mark the end of a workday. I like a good glass of wine or two with Sunday dinner. Friday night just seems to call out for a cocktail. Something to celebrate? Pour a little champagne. A crappy day? A martini will take the edge off. The drinks can start to add up. They're easy to justify. I'm a healthy person. I work out a lot. I eat good food. But could giving up alcohol be a tipping point? Am I missing sharper thinking and a perfect sleep and hypercharged creativity and young skin and a six-pack because of my six-packs? Is alcohol slowly, silently chipping away at my health? After all, I've read that drinking can wreak havoc on the body and mind. Or wait, was that drinking is good for your heart or bad for your heart, but you still live longer? How do my wellness goals square with the delicious craft beer in my fridge? I want to be healthy. Like most people, I want to look and feel my best. Curious about how alcohol affects that goal, I started digging. When it comes to alcohol's effect on health, the picture is kind of confusing. You may have heard that drinking is actually good for you. Moderate alcohol intake is associated with a lower risk of diabetes, gallstones, and coronary heart disease. Light to moderate drinking seems to be good for the heart and circulatory system, helping reduce your risk of cardiac arrest and clot-caused stroke by 25 to 40 percent. And there have been several studies indicating that drinkers, even healthy drinkers, actually outlive people who don't drink. We see headlines about all this every time a new study comes out, which seems fairly often, judging by my newsfeed. An important point that seems to get buried. If you don't already drink, health experts recommend you don't start. Wait, what? If drinking is so good for you, then why not add that antioxidant-rich red wine to the My Plate infographic, a nice goblet right where the milk used to be? Well, 
No one really knows if any amount of alcohol is really good for all of us. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you not to drink. Here's a spoiler alert. I did not take a break from booze. Most of the research on alcohol's potential health benefits are large, long-term, epidemiological studies. This type of research never proves anything. Rather than show cause, it shows correlation. What's the difference between correlation and causation, you might wonder? Well, imagine that every time you saw someone open an umbrella, it was raining. Because of this correlation, you concluded that umbrella opening causes it to rain. That would be mistaking cause with correlation. So even though many studies suggest that light to moderate drinkers have low rates of the aforementioned health problems than non-drinkers, that doesn't mean drinking causes those benefits. Sure, it could be that alcohol consumption raises HDL, which is your good cholesterol, or it could be that moderate drinking reduces stress. Or it could be that drinking doesn't cause any health benefit. Rather, it could be that people who drink a light to moderate amount also have something else going on in their lives, unrelated to alcohol consumption, that keeps them healthier. According to Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, a board-certified family physician in Maryland and a precision nutrition coach and contributor, he says it might be something inherent, like genetics or a personality trait that has them enjoying a low-stress life. Maybe it's a different lifestyle factor. We just don't know. Plus, any physiological effects would vary by individual. The amount of alcohol that may help your heart health might be really detrimental to your friends. For instance, if he has a history of high blood pressure. And most of the research indicates that you'd have to be a light to moderate drinker with no heavy drinking episodes, even isolated ones, to see a heart benefit. Lots of drinkers don't know how much alcohol they actually consume anyway. Moderation. We hear that word so often in conversations about health and diet that it starts to seem meaningless. Definitions vary around the world, but according to the United States Dietary Guidelines Advisory Committee, moderate drinking means on average for women up to seven drinks per week with no more than three drinks on any single day, and for men it means up to 14 drinks per week with no more than four drinks on any single day. And here's a guide to health agencies classified drinks. A 12-ounce bottle of regular beer at 5% alcohol equals a 5-ounce glass of wine at 12% alcohol equals 3 ounces of fortified wine, such as sherry or port, at 18% alcohol, which is also equivalent to 1.5 ounces of liquor, such as rum, rye, or vodka, at 40% alcohol. Sure, you might know you're not a binge drinker. That's five or more drinks for men, or upwards of four for women, within two hours. But when was the last time you poured wine with a measuring cup? or tallied your drink's total at the end of the week, or calculated your weekly average in a given month, or adjusted your tally to account for that sky-high 9.9% ABV lager you love. Studies show that people routinely, sometimes drastically, underestimate their alcohol consumption. 
It's easy to edge into the heavy category without realizing it. And that's a big problem, since heavy drinking comes with a much higher risk of major health problems. Check out the infographic in today's article for an illustration of how this happens. Risks associated with moderate alcohol consumption include the following. Risks to your brain such as disinhibition, altered judgment, poor coordination, sleep disruption, and alcoholism, particularly if there's alcoholism in your family. Hormones are affected by increasing the risk of breast cancer. And for the liver, it can worsen existing conditions such as hepatitis. And metabolism, like weight gain or stalled weight loss, and interference with some medications. Let's look at heavy drinking. The risks associated with heavy alcohol consumption impact your heart, by arrhythmias, high blood pressure, kidney disease, heart disease, and stroke. Your brain becomes at risk by chemical dependence, depression, alcoholism, neurological damage, epilepsy, dementia, and damage to developing brains. Your immunity is compromised by an increased risk of infection, illness, lowered immune response, cancer of the mouth, throat, esophagus, liver, and breast, damaged intestinal barrier, increased inflammation or flare-ups of autoimmune disorders. Your hormones are at risk of hormone disruption, impaired sexual function, impaired reproductive function, and thyroid disease, increased risk to liver such as fatty liver disease, alcoholic hepatitis, fibrosis and cirrhosis, hepatocellular and liver cancer, and finally your metabolism, loss of bone density, bone fractures, osteoporosis, anemia, pancreatitis, changes to fat metabolism and muscle damage. In young males especially, even moderate drinking increases the risk of accidental injury or death due to the, hey y'all, hold my beer and watch this, effect, or simply the dangerous equation of youthful exuberance combined with less impulse control, combined with more peer pressure, combined with things like motor vehicles and machinery. All drinking comes with potential health effects. After all, alcohol is technically a kind of poison that our bodies must convert to less harmful substances for us to enjoy a good buzz relatively safely. Through a series of chemical pathways using the enzyme alcohol dehydrogenase, ADH, and aldehyde dehydrogenase, ALDH, we convert ethanol to acetaldehyde, then to acetate. The body breaks acetate down into carbon dioxide and water. A second system for processing alcohol, the microsomal ethanol oxidizing system, MEOS, involves cytochrome P450, CYP, an enzyme group that chemically affects potentially toxic molecules such as medications so they can be safely excreted. In light to moderate drinkers, only about 10% of ethanol processing is done by the MEOS. But in heavy drinkers, this system kicks in more strongly. That means the MEOS may be less available to process other toxins. Oxidative cell damage and harm from high alcohol intake then goes up. The biochemistry doesn't matter as much as the core concepts. First, we have to change alcohol to tolerate it. And secondly, our ability to process alcohol depends on many factors, such as our natural individual genetic tolerance, our ethnicity and genetic background, our age, 
our body size, our biological sex, our individual combinations of conversion enzymes, etc. And thirdly, dose matters, but all alcohol requires some processing by the body. So then the question becomes, what's the sweet spot? What amount of alcohol balances enjoyment, and your jokes becoming funnier, with your body's ability to respond and recover from processing something slightly poisonous? The moderate versus heavy guidelines are the expert's best guess at the amount of alcohol that can be consumed with statistically minimal risk, while still accounting for what a lot of people are probably going to do anyway. Drink. It doesn't mean that moderate drinking is risk-free. But drinking is fun. There, I said it. In North America, we tend to separate physical well-being from our emotional state. In reality, quality of life, enjoyment, and social connections are important parts of health. I enjoy drinking. So do a lot of other people. In the U.S., for example, 65% of people say they consume alcohol. Of those drinkers, at least three-quarters enjoy alcohol one or more times per week. The wine flows at lunchtime in continental Europe. For Scandinavians, it's the light beer, l'atol. Hitting a pub or two after work is standard procedure in the UK and Japan. Northern Europeans swear by their Brennivin Glog, or Akvavit, not to mention vodka. South America and South Africa alike are renowned for their red wines. Thus, for much of the world's population, alcohol, whether beer, wine, or spirits, is something of a life staple. And if you're doing it right, meaning tasteful New Year's Eve champagne toasts are more common in your life than shot-fueled bar dances to hot lime bling, there are some undeniable benefits to be gained. First, pleasure. Assuming you've graduated from wine coolers and cheap tequila shots, alcoholic beverages usually taste pretty darn delicious. Leisure. A bit of alcohol in your bloodstream does help you feel relaxed. And like a good meal, a good glass of wine should offer the opportunity to slow down for a minute. Creativity. There's evidence that when you're tipsy, you may be more successful at problem solving thanks to increased out-of-the-box thinking. And social connection. Drinking may contribute to social bonding through what researchers call golden moments, when you all smile and laugh together over the same joke. This sense of community, belonging, and joy can contribute to your health and longevity. So drink because you genuinely enjoy it. Drink if it truly adds value and pleasure to your life. Not because you're stressed out or it's a habit, or other people around you don't want to drink alone, or it's good for you. With confusing alcohol consumption categories and contradictory news headlines, many people give up trying to decide whether drinking is healthy or not. A new study shows alcohol may be harmful, whatever, or drinkers live longer? Yeah, I'll hop on that horse and ride it straight to the bar. Forget about the potential health benefits of alcohol. There are plenty of probably better ways to reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease, like eating well, exercising, and not smoking. Wanting the enjoyment of a perfect old-fashioned or a rare sake 
is legitimate, probably the best, reason to drink. As with what you eat, what you drink should be purposeful and mindful and delicious. Drinking or not drinking isn't about healthy versus not. It's about trade-offs. Alcohol is just one factor among many that affect physical performance, health, and fitness. Whether to keep drinking or cut back depends on how much you drink, what your goals are, and how you want to prioritize those things. How to sort it all out? I touched base with Krista Scott Dixon, PhD, Curriculum Designer for Precision Nutrition's coaching programs for men and women. She said to think of it this way. In order to say yes to something, you have to say no to something else. And only you know what you are or aren't willing to trade. Saying yes to six-pack abs might mean saying no to two drinks at the bar. Saying yes to Friday happy hour might mean saying no to your Saturday morning workout. Saying yes to marathon training might mean saying no to boozy Sunday brunches. Saying yes to better sleep and focus and mood might mean saying no to your daily wine with dinner. Saying yes to avoid the nacho platter might mean saying no to the second margarita. And saying yes to moderate alcohol consumption might mean finding a way to say no to stress triggers or human triggers that make you want to drink more. The decisions you make will also depend on what you're willing to do and not willing to do. Maybe you're willing to have one last beer a day, but you're not willing to kiss it goodbye altogether. Maybe you're willing to practice drinking more slowly and mindfully, but you're not willing to decrease your total alcohol intake. Or maybe you're willing to stay sober during most social situations, but you're not willing to endure your partner's office party without a G&T on hand. Maybe you're willing to upgrade to a fancier bottle, but you'll bite someone's face off if they try to take away your Australian Shiraz. Maybe there is a best answer for how much alcohol is okay for everyone. But we don't know what it is yet, at least not for certain. As I researched this article, I became more aware of my own drinking habits, and I started to wonder whether I should improve them. I've started to drink more mindfully, asking myself questions here and there about why and what I'm drinking. As I did this, I noticed myself drinking less. A couple of weeks ago, when I was out with some friends, while they threw back multiple pints, I slowly sipped a single serving of the bar's finest scotch. It felt and tasted good. We'll see if it's a tipping point for further improvement and even better health. What to do next? Some tips from Precision Nutrition. Following the guidelines for moderate drinking is a good start. But here's what the guidelines don't tell us. Alcohol's effects, both its potential risks and benefits, vary widely from person to person, depending on genetics, size, sex, age, history with alcohol, and overall health. Let your body take the lead. Read its cues, observe yourself carefully, gather data, and see how alcohol is or is not working for you. First, observe your drinking habits. Keep track of all the alcohol you drink for a week or two. And if you need a worksheet, there's a link to that from the article today. You don't need to share it with anyone or assume any change is necessary. 
just collect the info. Next, review the data. Ask, am I drinking more than I thought? Maybe you hadn't been taking the couple casual beers with Sunday NFL into account. Is my drinking urgent, mindless, or rushed? Slamming drinks back without stopping to savor them can be a sign that drinking is habitual, not purposeful. Are there themes or patterns in my drinking? Perhaps you habitually overdrink on Friday because your job is really stressful. Is alcohol helping me enjoy life or is it stressing me out? If you're not sleeping well or you're feeling worried about the drinking, the cost can outweigh the benefit. And does alcohol bring any unwanted friends to the party? Binge eating, drug use, texting your ex? If any of the answers to these questions raise red flags for you, consider cutting back and seeing how you feel. The second point. Notice how alcohol affects your body. Use Precision Nutrition's How's That Working For You? litmus test. Ask, do I generally feel good? Simple, but telling. When I drink, do I experience a hangover, digestive distress, sleep problems, anxiety, or other discomfort? These can be signals that you're drinking too much or that your body can't handle what you're throwing at it. Is my blood pressure still in the healthy range? How's my physical performance after drinking? If you work out the next morning, how does that go? Are you recovering well? If you're unsure about whether your alcohol use is helping or hurting you, talk to your doctor and get a read on your overall health. Number three, notice how alcohol affects your thoughts, emotions, assumptions, and general perspective on life. Again, how's that working for you? Do you feel in control of your drinking? Are you choosing deliberately and purposefully or finding yourself drinking? What kind of person are you when you're drinking? Are you a bon vivant, just slightly wittier and more relaxed, savoring a craft beer with friends? Or are you thinking, let's make that crap circus of a workday go away as you pound back the liquid emotional anesthetic through gritted teeth? If you had to stop drinking for a week, what would that be like? No big deal? Or did you just feel mild panic hearing those words? Number four, play let's make a deal. To pinpoint which goals and activities in your life are the most important to you, ask yourself, what am I currently saying yes to? What am I currently saying no to? What am I willing to say yes to? And what am I willing to say no to? And what am I prepared to say yes to and no to? And why? There are no right or wrong answers, just choices and compromises. You're a grown-up who can think long-term and weigh options rationally. Whether you drink or not is your call. Number five, disrupt the autopilot. One of the keys to behavior change is moving from unconscious, automatic reactions to conscious, deliberate decisions. To experiment with decreasing your alcohol intake, try these strategies. First, delay your next drink, just for 10 minutes, to see if you still want it, or look for ways to circumvent your patterns. If you usually hit the bar after work, try booking an alcohol-free activity like a movie date or yoga class with a friend instead. If you stock up on beer at the grocery store, skip that aisle altogether 
and pick some quality teas or sparkling water instead. How about savoring your drink? Tune into the sensations in front of you. Here's an idea. Try tasting wine like a sommelier. Look at it, swirl it, sniff it, taste it. Swap quantity for quality. Drink less, but when you do drink, treat yourself to the good stuff. Number six, call on the experts. Changing almost always works better with support. It's hard to change alone. Talk to your doctor about drinking patterns in your health. Consider genetic testing. If you're at risk for breast cancer, avoiding alcohol might be a good idea. On the other hand, if you're at risk for cardiovascular disease, one to two drinks a night may be a good thing. Get nutrition coaching. Precision nutrition coaches specialize in helping clients optimize diet and lifestyle patterns for good. And number seven, if you choose to drink, enjoy it. Savor it. Enjoy it mindfully, ideally among good company. This has been Coach Lee San reading today's article, Would I Be Healthier If I Quit Drinking? My Quest to Understand the Real Trade-Offs of Alcohol Consumption by Camille DePutter. Thank you for listening. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's edition of Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. For more information about how to eat, move, and live better yourself, and for some awesome free nutrition and health resources, come visit us on the web at www.precisionnutrition.com. You could also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at InsidePN. Talk to you next time.